Welcome to Arts Palette Spotlights, a podcast that shines a light on those working on stage and backstage in the performing arts industry. Arts Palette is a community of artists that all share a passion for teaching students from around the world. We have made it incredibly simple to take weekly virtual classes from real Broadway artists and other industry professionals in the midst of their careers. Our artists share the lessons they've learned along the way. Signing up for class is super simple. Just go to www.artspalette.com. That's P-A-L-L-E-T to sign up for a class today. You can use the promo code NEWGROOVE and take your first class for only $8. Welcome to Arts Palette Spotlights. I'm Austin Reynolds. Today, we have our conversation with Melody Rose, a Juilliard graduate most recently seen playing Tantamile in the Broadway tour of Cats. How are you doing, Melody? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Austin? I'm doing well. Full disclosure, Melody and I went to school together, so we're very good friends and we just were on tour together in Cats. But not to give everything away, I was wondering if you could start by telling us what your pronouns are, where you're based right now, um, and then we'll get into where you grew up. Amazing. My pronouns are she, her, and I grew up in Glen Birdie, Maryland, about 20 minutes south of Baltimore, and I'm currently in New York City in Tribeca. Very, very cool. And what are you up to in New York City these days? Right now, just working on some side gigs, taking class at home, Zoom classes, all, all that good stuff. Totally, totally. I understand that. Um, so where would we have seen you last perform? I kind of gave it away already. <laughs> well, your role? Uh, I was on the national tour of Cats as Tantamile. Very cool. And when did you join the tour? I joined the tour November 2019. Okay. So we had so we had some months. When did it shut down exactly again? March 12th was our last show. I March 12th. You have it probably to the hour, they uh-huh. say. It's, it's <laughs> over now. Everyone can go home. Um, yeah. We're on that another time. So did you grow up uh, in Maryland doing theater and taking dance classes or one or the other? So I started dancing at the Edna Lee Dance Studio in Glen Burnie, Maryland, under the instruction of Mary Moran and Ashley Cantona Hardy. When I, when I was three years old and I didn't really do theater growing up except for middle school drama club. So that was three years of that random little plays. And I actually didn't have my first voice lesson until I was a junior in college. So yeah, I just grew up doing mostly dance and I joined my studio's competition team when I was eight. Yeah. Okay. Did you grow up with like a favorite style that you like to do or? My first favorite style was actually tap. I love tap. <laughs> You're such and, a strong tapper. <laughs> and my um, second second favorite, well, now my favorite today is musical theater jazz. Okay, cool, cool. And you, you go back and you teach there, right? You still have a relationship there. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, when did you decide growing up? What, what was the moment that you, it kind of clicked and you knew that you wanted to pursue this professionally? Or did it happen organically? I think it happened organically. I always tell people I really don't remember a time where I didn't want to be a performer. Um, I always go back to the story where we had to sing what we wanted to be when we grew up in our fifth grade graduation. And I literally Mm -hmm. Broadway dancer. (laughs) It's in the program. (laughs) Unreal. I grew up up, um, and 
I just remember watching the, I always mentioned the Rosalind Russell, Natalie Wood version of Gypsy. My mom was obsessed with it growing up. She never did theater or plays and neither did my dad. So it wasn't like they were in the arts in the first place. She just loved this musical. And I just remember watching baby June do her split and do like her tricks and the vaudeville numbers and wanting to do that and, and <laughs> see Natalie Wood find her confidence on stage. And I was like, I want to be her. And have you said, ever, yeah. have you ever been in Gypsy? No, I want to be. That would be great. <laughs> I don't know uh, if I'm too old for Dainty June, but well, I love it. Who knows? They might do a revival that's upside down. Um, very cool. Very cool. Um, was there like a, I guess you kind of just spoke to it, but was there anyone else in the professional world that kind of caught your eye growing up and you thought, wow, I, I want to be that person. I want to do that thing in terms of like a, a literal person. A literal person. Hmm. Well, not famous, but my dance teacher, Ashley Cantona Hardy, when I was, um, let's say, I think it was in fifth grade. It was my final year in the combination classes in my studio growing up. And it was, I wouldn't be taking with my normal teacher. Her name was Cheryl Boyer. She was my first dance teacher. And I cried and cried and cried. And then my dance teacher today, well, from back home, um, pulled me aside and said, do you want to join my class? So I went from taking one class a week to taking three and then it turned to seven. And then I just kind of, I just, I essentially wanted to be her because I thought she was a full celebrity. Um, and she pretty much is. Um, she trained at the Kirov Academy of Ballet growing up. She won a ton of medals at IBC, all the ballet competitions, you name it, she probably won it. And um, I just remember her dancing in our recital and she did an aerial like a cartwheel with no hands and I was like I need to do that next year it didn't but it was just like watching her I wanted to just obtain everything that she had stardom so, That's so she cool. was the, the, the biggest motivator of me wanting to do it professionally in my childhood I love that answer I think it's so important to recognize even when you're in the midst of your own career like who that was for you that kind of reached back and said it, either with words or just through good example gave mm -hmm. you this runway to work with of, of what yeah. you ended up wanting to to do and be um so let's fast forward then i know the details but for everyone else you uh are 18 years old and you get accepted to juilliard and how does that happen how does that make you feel <laughs> well first of all i didn't want to audition because i thought it would be the worst thing that could happen to my self-esteem ever what the morning thing? i had to cry to my mom saying please i don't i don't know if i should go and like my dance teacher cut my solo song to be two minutes instead of 245 i somehow got into the juilliard school doing a competition dance so, um and we could have uh, a whole conversation about all the stories that we collectively share of the different approaches people took to Juilliard has different segments of their dance audition, which is starting with ballet, doing some modern, doing a solo, doing some coaching, a rep, and then an interview. And then you go into like a pool where you're waiting with about roughly 40 to 50 people um, before they make their selections of usually 12 men and 12 women every year. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm not surprised that you did a competition solo because that was your background. And I think that they tried to pick the uh, eclectic bunch and we certainly all were. 
but I also yeah. relate to um, not feeling good enough to audition. I mean, I feel like so many people that went into that audition, even from our class, we also were in the same class. I don't think that's been said, um, graduating in 2017, that um, so many people really didn't have the confidence going in. I mean, I certainly did, didn't. Um, and <laughs> I did not. <laughs> yeah, one way or another, it, it happens. Yeah. So then, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, if someone like me from the middle of nowhere, Maryland, who does a chin stand at the Juilliard School and a scorpion. But what is a chin stand? How does that work? <laughs> like resting your chin on the ground? Oh, yeah, with my legs over my head. Right. I certainly did that. Of course. Um, okay, so let's let's fast forward yet again and talk about what felt like your first break after school. I think my first break after school, I guess, would be getting my agent. I kind of, I got a card from CESD after our senior showcase at school, which is where you perform a solo at the end of the year with your senior class. And uh, a week later, a couple weeks later, I she gave me a call and. I sent in my reels and then I signed and then I had an agent. So I think that was my first big break. Yeah, <laughs> I, I started mean, auditions. I didn't even then, realize that melody that that was that was the case that that came from the the showcase. Yeah. Really cool. And then, yeah, and then um, my first the first job that I booked. Um, I'm trying to think. The first job that I booked through CESD was with. It used to be called Broadway Dance Lab, but now it's called Dance Lab New York, I believe, uh, under the direction of Josh Prince. And I got accepted into their fall gala cycle. Um, and I met so many great friends and got to work with Robbie Fairchild, Lonnie Landon, a couple other people. And we got to work with Lonnie Landon at school, which is fun to see her again. And we, we put on a performance at the end of the three weeks of the different works that they taught us. And it was a blast. Mm -hmm. That was my first like show in New York under my agent. So that to to clarify, that's that's creative process, right? That's you being hired in as a, basically a body and a mind for a choreographer to develop and work. It's a very, uh, I mean, suggested in the title, but an innovative type of thing that doesn't really exist in many places in our industry. Most things are to try to make a profit, and um, yeah, it's a that's great, great program. Very cool. And then your first tour was kind of maybe what you were going to get to. Yep, my first tour, I booked Finding Neverland, and I got to be in the ensemble and play Peter Pan, which was so much fun. And that was my first musical ever. Um, so I was kind of lost and like thrusted in a tour life uh, with my little book for the first time, trying to learn how to sing harmonies and <laughs> figure out my voice part and all while running around and pretending to be Peter Pan. Um, and as Peter Pan, you had, to, you had to fly a lot, right? Uh, yeah, at the very end, uh, I had a harness and everything that I had to throw on and dance in for the last number, <laughs> which is very awkward to dance in. I remember the first time they flew me, I was like, I can't breathe. <laughs> it like crushes your ribs a little bit, but I got used to it. Um, Melody shared some stories with me on the road over the past year and a half. Can't believe it's been that long. But when we were on the road together about different moments in the show that like, because Peter Pan is kind of on the outside of, of the story, but yet is like threaded through the whole thing. So I don't know if you want to speak to like how you being a, a dancer in particular, like impacted kind of your track, your track 
Um, meaning like how your skills as a dancer made you the right fit for that track. So being Peter Pan, it's very, uh, I always say it was like, it's like a whimsical whirlwind. It's very, a lot of buoyant movement. It's original choreography by Mia Michaels. Um, so it's very athletic, very, like that. yeah. Yeah, me and Michael um, is a so you think you dance choreographer, a big LA and Vegas choreographer. And I we had Camden Mosier was our associate choreographer for the tour, and he set the choreography on us. And uh, to do the Peter Pan track, you have to have so much stamina because this the the minute the curtain opens, it's just Peter Pan on stage, and you're thrust into this crazy athletic solo. You side leaps like rolling on the ground log rolls and like chasing tinkerbell all across the stage so i'd have to like warm up like 30 minutes before the show while everyone was just like chilling in the back <laughs> <laughs> well i can up during the first number like kind of deal so i was like oh, oh it's my the butt turn open. um but then the first in the first 20 minutes of the show i have four quick changes so i went from peter pan that's a two minute solo run off change 23 seconds have to change into a maid outfit full wig change from my Peter Pan hair to my normal wig, made outfit, different shoes, different tights, fan, go on as Mary Berry, who is Van Berry's wife, is made, I'm fanning her, and then I run off, and then I rip that off and put on my little like long villager dress and hat, full change, go back off, put on a clock outfit, trying to be a clock in the circus, and like, what? just like, <laughs> It was insane. You know, I so didn't I realize just, you were everyone. I wasn't just Peter Pan. I ran on and on and on and on. Had my little red wig. It was insane. They but said, the cat that was so nice because you could just like stay in the military the whole time. Yeah, I got gross and sweaty, but like at least I could just stay in one look the whole time without worrying about running around. Right. And, and that was cardio in itself. Another <laughs> story. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. It's like we have a budget and we need you to play four parts. Like, <laughs> that's wild. And that's the normal track of the show because, um, like, who played it on Broadway? Melanie Moore. She she was also in the ensemble as well. Okay. And same with, uh, like, D. Tomasetta and Amy Yakima, everyone who played Peter Pan on the previous tours, because this was the second national tour. So it was non union um, as opposed to the union, but same track. Wow, that's insane. I can't believe it. I love it because it's one of those things where you like open the jar of the story and like just more things come pouring out every time you share it. I, I love it. I feel like I'll never get sick of hearing stories about Finding Neverland. Um, okay, so then bring us to Cats and what that process was like, because I know that you had been in for Cats a lot and finally the right pieces of the puzzle came along and you were a rock star. I mean, I have dreamt of being in Cats since I was saw it for the first time on VHS when I was 10. I mean, it was my dream show. Went in 150 times to do the show. I didn't want to take no for an answer. I was there until I got the part. Um, I think it was six times, not 150, but. It's important um, to note, like there's. Yeah, there's oh my God. There's always a running list of names that they're considering, and there's so many different factors. And I mean, I feel like I got to see how that all came to be. And it's it's so beautiful to me that it's like you finally end up on the tour and you end up being this rock star, consistent, like, 
amazing dancer and, and person in the ensemble that everyone really like, I think looked up to uh, the consistency and professionalism that you brought. So, Thank you. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and then I learned Tantamile. I got to understudy Syllabub and Victoria and I got to go on twice for Syllabub. Uh, I was supposed to make my Victoria debut on April 3rd. <laughs> Didn't happen, but that's okay. So I just kind of like I just had come across um, some videos of us rehearsing uh, Victoria the oh, white, the white the cat in I think we were in upstate New York maybe Utica 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 New York yeah and there's videos of us doing that press lift and just having the best 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 time okay let me get back to this list because I've just followed you on this amazing <laughs> journey um, maybe this is to do with cats, um, because I know you well, but what job fostered the most substantial change? It doesn't have to be cats, it can be anything. What job like created the biggest change within you? I mean, big question. A little bit of Finding Neverland and a lot of cats. So mm -hmm. the Finding Neverland tour, when I booked that, I was like, oh, I can do this professionally. Mm -hmm. I think I was always, I always self-doubt so bad, don't do that. And I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to do this X, Y, Z. And then I booked that and it was like the Peter Pan So I was like, oh my gosh, I can definitely do this professionally. Then my next step is I want to get my equity card. And then, and I wanted to be in cats and that was my dream show. So then like getting my dream show and my equity card at the same time, I was like, oh wow, like I really can do this. Like now my next goal is Broadway. So and that, then I think- pandemic, yeah. but <laughs> pandemic, and then, yeah, but- the best Getting my equity card in the mail <laughs> during the pandemic. I was like, nice. <laughs> well, you'll put it to good use soon, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> okay, some quick questions. Do you have a dream show? And if so, what would that show be? <laughs> uh, it's my absolute dream to be in the ensemble of Hamilton. <laughs> I don't care how I can get to that show. I'll do anything. It's totally. my new fave. I, I think that's that's a good one for many, many people. Um, okay, on a different note, do you ever get nervous when you're performing? Every show, hmm. all the time. And how does that like manifest? Very anxious. How do you I mean, work, work yourself I, I, I let it go. I mean, like my, my dad always told me, just let it fly. And I always hmm. think about that. And I'm like, yes, I'm gonna be nervous before every show just because I have crazy adrenaline and crazy like anxiety. Like I need to do my best every show. 150%, but obviously that's not possible. Even if you are a superhuman or whatever, um, that's not possible. So like our teacher, Risa Steinberg said, be 100% of whatever percent that you're at and do the best that you can. 100%, a thousand percent. I agree with that. Okay. Like, um, so, yeah. Cool. Um, here's a personal one. Have you ever messed up during a show? And if so, how did you adjust, recover, or make it through that moment? Well, my very first show in Cats. <laughs> drum roll. Uh, yep. No, your, did you say your fault? No, I said drum roll, drum roll. Drum oh, roll. I thought you said my fault. I was like, I don't think you were on. <laughs> um, so I went on four days earlier than I was supposed to uh, because of a right. call out. And... Um, <laughs> I ended up, there's a lift in Rum Tum Tugger where Tantamile spins around and then two boys pick her up. 
and I was picked up in a lift and then I was stuck to Skimble Shines. So I could not move. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. Because- I like, no, I was like, people are gonna think that I don't know what I'm doing and I know what I'm doing, but I'm stuck. And I wasn't gonna rip those unitards. I mean, they're like worth- Right, so the costume is unitards and then different cats have different combos of leg warmers and arm warmers and collars and tails. And so there's just all these ratty little things to get caught on yeah. different people. And I didn't collar because I was a feral cat, um, but my tail got caught on Skimble Shanks' arm. So I was stuck and then right. I like, what wasn't coming off. And I was supposed to meet my twin, twin cat, Coraco Pat at the front to do a little jazzy number before like running into the club with Rum Tum Tugger at the end. And I did not make it. And then finally like pulled off. I was like, I hope it's not ripped. Like my whole, my whole butt is showing or something. My first show, whatever. Right, there's but not I, a lot. There's... I ran up, did a double pirouette and then ran into Rum Tum Tugger. And that was that. And people were like, oh, are you okay? Did you figure out your traffic? And I was like, I knew my traffic, I was stuck. So, right. of course. But everyone just did their own thing and it was fine, so. The cast jumped in and asked if, if you know your my, part. My but... heart, my heart like sunk. I was like, everyone in the show no and from the outside i remember watching that night and it's like you blink and and cast it, cats is so fast moving that it's like it's like did something just did no it, yeah no. something just but it was okay. like seconds total but it felt like three hours <laughs> right so right right okay last question it's a little bit of a cliche but i think these answers are very important to our audience at Arts Palette. Um, if you could share one piece of advice with young performers based on your experience of what you've seen or for whom you've worked with, what piece of advice would that be? Okay, I have a few, I think. Okay. So in, in auditions, be your complete self. Do not box yourself into a type. Like if you see yourself as like a technical ballerina type don't box yourself into that type. You can be that and more and everything else. So don't try to box yourself into one position because you want a certain role. Just show up as yourself and you'll be cast in the, like I said, the perfect puzzle piece for you. And it'll work in your favor. And the choreographer will probably be thankful that they can see every side of you rather than you showing off one side of yourself. Another thing is that no matter, I always say this, no matter how many times they say no, keep going back. Of course, I mean, you could show up one day and get the job right away, but you're gonna hear a hundred no's before you hear a yes. Right. Um, and you going back, if you, if obviously, if you keep showing up for the choreographer that you want to work for and the show that you want to perform in, they'll, they'll see that and they'll see your improvements. They'll see how loyal you are to the work and to the craft and they'll appreciate that for sure. And they'll know that consistency is definitely a part of who you are as an artist. And just right. it giving, says up, giving up isn't an option. Like you can't, like in this industry, you can't. The industry's tough, but you got to stay tougher. It's the only way that you can keep your mental health stable because you're getting rejected, rejected, rejected. You just can't take it personally and just got to throw it, throw it back and be like, okay, what's next? Right. And it's the job at the end of the day. Like people yeah. think of the job being out on a tour doing a, a show and so often really the job is sitting in a room i mean i came right. to you august of 2019 and said melody rose and she's sitting in a, <laughs> a room at 
where were we ripley greer and i think and all day long you know, nine to five you just kind of laugh that's the job um well thank you i appreciate your time Thanks. so much i have to mention that melody teaches musical theater jazz and she teaches an advanced beginner class so the idea is that you would have some kind of grasp of beginner steps musicality and things like that um but it's still a, a more simple level to grasp and attain and feel confident about um that class right now is wednesdays from 5 p.m eastern to 6 p.m eastern um sometimes we adjust our schedules and whatnot a little bit but melody will always be doing musical theater jazz and i have so much love for her and I so much love for you i don't know why i'm speaking to you like <laughs> I'm speaking to the people that will watch this eventually. And um, yeah, I just I think so highly of you. And I'm so grateful that you're part of Arts Palette and our family. So oh, go take her class because she's friggin' incredible. Come dance. <laughs> Come dance. Okay. Thank you, Melody. Thanks, Austin. Thank you to Melody Rose for such a wonderful conversation. I have always found her love for theater so contagious. Melody teaches musical theater jazz on Wednesday evenings from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific. She's such a joy to learn from, and she is such a humble human being. Thank you all for listening. Until next time.